Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. I want to continue this morning talking on the thought or the idea of expecting God to do something good. There is something about life that seems to manipulate our expectations. In other words, our circumstances oftentimes begin to twist our expectations or even our results. I I used to... uh, kind of had like 16 different lives, it seems like. But uh, at one point, I was actually licensed uh, with the SEC uh, for securities. And, and we had all these different things. And I, I did financial investments and, and all kind of just stuff. But uh, one of the things that, that we had to say every time, and if you've ever done any investment, you, you'll have heard what I'm about to say. It would say, uh, prior results do not indicate future results. It doesn't guarantee them. But sometimes in our life, we begin to set our expectations based off of the results we have had previously. Let me give you an example. Uh, Maybe you used to have uh, a relationship and it went really, really good. And then all of a sudden, they did everything that they were not supposed to do. They did not talk kindly to you. They did not treat you well. Maybe they ran around on you. Whatever the case may be, now you have the potential of having an expectation in your life that every future relationship is going to be like the previous relationship. Because you had one bad experience, now you've got to get good at washing out the expectation that your next experience is going to be like your old experience because our Bible promises that your future will actually be better than your past. Somebody give God a hand of praise. So many times in our life, we go through things and and we experience encounters or circumstances or situations and they they have the potential to adversely affect us. And when they adversely affect us, we have to make sure that that effectiveness, that thing that has affected us, does not become the standard bearer for what we are going to anticipate in the future. No, on the contrary, we are going to expect God to do something good. I remember uh, right before we we, we started uh, New Heights Church several years ago now, four years ago now, I I remember it it was a real uh, stirring season in my life personally. I wasn't sleeping much. I was, I was, uh, uh, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but that's a pretty close uh, term for it. I was uncomfortable in almost everything that I was doing because I knew God had something else for me. Well, uh, about a month before the Lord told us that Bryan College Station was where we were going to put our church, I remember getting a call out of the blue from somebody, a minister, that I very highly respect. And they called me out of the blue, and we, been, we had this great conversation. It lasted uh, probably 30 minutes or an hour. And in the conversation, it was, you know, 
uh, uh, Brian. Uh, that, that's me, by the way, if you don't know, my name's Brian. But uh, Brian, I just, I, I love the way you minister. I love the way you preach. And, you know, I, I want to do some really strong things together. And I, I want to bring you with me. And it's going to be powerful. And, and, and started kicking around some words that some of my heroes use, you know, like crusades and stuff like that. I'm going to take you on these crusades. And you know what? I just know God's going to do great things with you. And I'm on the phone and I'm thinking, man, glory to God. I, I didn't read the Bible 800 times for nothing. I'm about to go do this thing. I can't wait. Praise God. I was so excited about all of it from the bottom to the top. And, and I was just like, oh my goodness. And I, I got off the phone and, and I was talking to Crystal. I said, man, I, I really think this is going to be a great next step. And, and I lay down and I go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I don't know when it happened, but from the time I laid my head down to the time I woke up, the Spirit of the Lord told me, do not do that. And I'm like, what did you say? I have been waiting patiently. I have books and books of sermons that I have written that I have never preached. I have my own concordance of the entire Bible, every chapter, because I didn't know when God would release me. I have notes on top of notes. I have ministry. I have preached to more stuffed animals and dogs than humans in my life. I said, my God, this is it, Lord. Are you deaf? He called me and said he wants to do some crusades. Crusades are what people do. I'm ready. Let's do this thing, Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, no. And I said, Lord, I think you misheard this gentleman. But I knew. The Lord just said no. There was nothing in the natural that would indicate that I shouldn't. And only one thing in the supernatural that indicated that I shouldn't. I picked up the phone, I called him back, I said, hey, I, I, I couldn't support you more than I do, but this is not mine. I said, I don't know if it's a never, but it's definitely a not now for me. Number one, if you're taking notes, delay is not denial. Sometimes God is trying to make sure that you don't miss your opportunity by trying to jump in line with somebody else's opportunity. Sometimes God is trying to make sure that you don't miss the exceeding, abundantly, above, more than you can ask or think just to settle for everything you were asking and thinking. Mark chapter number 2 says this, And again he entered into Capernaum, after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Jesus showed up, and it was noise. News spread that he was in the house, like what's happening here. Somebody told you that the Spirit of the Lord is doing something at New Heights Church, and you said, man, I just got to come check it out. That Jesus had come into Capernaum, and he was in a house, and people began to say, hey, Jesus is there. Verse 2, straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word to them. In other words, the house was full of people that were there to hear what the Lord had to say, even so many people that the doorway was full. Even so many people that the doorway was full and nobody could have, nobody could get in and nobody could get out. Let me paint the picture a little bit different. It looked like there was no room for anybody else. 
Have you ever been in a circumstance where you just felt ostracized? You felt like you were on the outside of the circle and there was no room. I remember going uh, to high school and, and, and the first day of high school when you're a freshman and they all call you a fish and all this other stuff. And I remember walking in and getting to the lunchroom because they, they don't like give you a map of where you could sit in the lunchroom. So you got to make a decision of where you're going to sit. And I remember walking in and I had my little tray with my little burrito and my Dr. Pepper on it, you know, because at that time my lunch money was $1.50 a day and it got me all the lunch I wanted. And I remember walking in and I had, I had my lunch and I was going to go sit down at a, cha- at a table and I had no clue where I should sit and every table that I looked like there may have been chairs but it didn't look like there was room for me you see what I'm saying sometimes it looks like there's no room but the reality was as I was walking by and all of a sudden this young lady who was two or three years older than me that that went to, we went to church together she said hey Brian come over here and sit with us and immediately somebody made room for me in a big scary cafeteria and I was able to sit down and have my little burrito and oh by the way it was all the people that you would want to sit with in that particular day because just because it looks like there is no room that doesn't mean that there is no room the Bible says that Jesus was there and he was teaching and the word of God put such a draw on people and the power and the presence and the love of Jesus put so much of a draw on people that people were he was noised abroad he people just had to tell somebody have you ever had something so good happen to you that you just had to tell somebody That's what Jesus is to you and me. You've got to get to the place where you decide I'm going to be a part of the noised abroad crowd and I'm going to tell people what Jesus is doing in my life because here's the thing, if you do not, who will? If all we did was get rescued so that we can go to heaven and have a good life, then let's just go to heaven now. But if you want to make a difference for the kingdom, you were not rescued so that you could ride a cruise boat into heaven. You were rescued so that you can become a life-saving rescuer for those that don't know. So he says there's no room. Matter of fact, they filled up the whole house and the the doorway was full. And and, and they came to him, verse 3, bringing one sick of the palsy, which means somebody that was paralyzed. And they were paralyzed and, and he was paralyzed and four people were carrying him on a bed. So you've got a house, and we're not talking like, you know, a huge mansion. We're talking a house, just to probably, uh, 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 well, just picture something you would see in the Middle East with like a, almost like a mud wall and maybe a, maybe a, a grass or a tarp-type uh, roof or some kind of a tar-type roof. And, and so they bring these, this guy, and they're carrying him, and they got him on a bed. And if it's not enough room for you to walk in, if you're paralyzed, laying on a bed, being carried by four, Now it really looks like there's no room. So my question today is, what is paralyzing you? What in your life is causing you to not move? See, when you're paralyzed, it doesn't mean you don't want to move. It means you cannot move. What in your life, when when it's mentioned to you, causes you to clam up and to be tight and to feel like you can't move? Is it a family member who every time you get in their presence, they, they talk so bad about you and they remind you of your past that you are paralyzed about what you're going to do in your future? 
Is it, is it a job situation where, where it feels like something is changing on the job site? There's rumors about downsizing and layoffs and all these things, and it just paralyzes you? It, what is it about life that, that tries to suck the actual life out of you and tells you that you're not even capable to stand on your own? You should be carried around, you should be walked around, and you should be paralyzed with fear when and God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. So you have to picture what is paralyzing you. Is it a prayer life that has gone stagnant or stale? Is it a, the lack of a prayer life? You say, preacher, I don't even know how to pray. Let me tell you something. You wake up in the morning and you ask God to intervene on your behalf. You pray for your children, your wife, or your husband. And then you move forward. And before you know it, you begin to develop a relationship. Because the only way to develop a relationship with somebody is communication. Prayer by its, in its simplest form is simply communication with the one who has created us. And the more we do it, the more we know Him. And the more we know Him, the more we experience Him. And the more we experience Him, the less we care what we experience here. You see, when you decide before the conflict shows up that you're not going to quit, the conflict becomes subordinate to your decision. But if it's the opposite and we're we're a little wishy-washy, now all of a sudden we have the potential to be paralyzed. By whatever shows up. So the room is so full that nobody can get in. The door is closed. So the door is full of people so nobody can come in. And, and there's four people. These are very good people. Carrying their friend. They're trying to get him to Jesus. And they didn't get him to Jesus because somebody said, Oh, Jesus made you paralyzed. He must be trying to teach you something. They're taking him to Jesus because somebody said, I know you've seen every doctor, but there's this one Dr. Jesus. He's like the great physician. I know there's other reports about you, but we're just going to believe the report of the Lord. We're going to see if Jesus will do what he said he would do. I heard about a blind man that couldn't see and he made him see. I heard about a little kid that was dead he brought to life. I heard about all kind of sick people and he just keeps healing him. Meaning noise went abroad. People began to talk, but they weren't talking about some false doctrine that God was up there trying to hurt his people they were talking about the love of the father who sent down the fullness of the Godhead bodily as a representation of heaven to earth and he says to him he says he says he says listen he goes if you guys could just get me there and his friends carry him there and the door so the door so full of people nobody can get in the house is so full nobody can get in verse 4 and the Bible says and when they could not come in to the press if they couldn't get in for all the people, listen to this, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let the bed down where the sick of the palsy prayed. The, the guy that was paralyzed, they lowered him down into the house. In other words, they got to where they thought they were going to experience a miracle. And there was no room. In other words, disappointment was the first thing they encountered. But they did not let disappointment metamorphosize into defeat. In other words, they said disappointment might mean detour, but it does not mean that I'm quitting or giving up. I remember, and maybe you remember, 
more than once in my life as a little boy, I had eyes for a young lady. And I remember thinking, man, look at that. I, I tell you what, you know, when you're, when you're junior high, high school, I remember thinking, oh my goodness gracious, oh my goodness gracious, and, and, and whether it was something that would happen and, and there would be some kind of a split, because it was all just young stuff anyway, something would happen, something would whatever, but, but you see, the disappointment that set in was what positioned me to find the one that I really, really needed. So many times in our life, we see disappointment as a big problem when in reality, disappointment oftentimes moves us to detour to find the actual destination that God has called us to be. So many times in our life, something happens. We get to the place of our miracle. We get to the place of our, our, our overwhelming opportunity only to find the door closed, only to find the room full of people only to find a, a disappointment that we have trouble getting over, a disappointment that we can't let go of. Maybe you've been married before. Maybe you've been married two or three times. Maybe you've been married 16 times. But the disappointment and the sting of the disappointment of your past is plaguing you and it's causing you to be defeated in your present when in reality the disappointment of your past was nothing but a reason for you to detour to find what God has for you today. God didn't set you up to fail in every area. He didn't cause anything bad to happen in your life. But it is absolutely imperative to recognize that all things work together for good for you and me. Those who love God are called according to His purpose. That doesn't mean everything is good. It doesn't mean God is writing a prescription for everything you go through. Sometimes the devil is throwing something in your face. Sometimes you make a bad decision. you got to deal with something. Or sometimes we just live in a cursed world where bad things happen to good people. Problems happen to good people. Things happen. But you can't let disappointment get so stuck to you that you can never put it down. And you begin to measure every part of your future life based off of what you experienced in your past. Disappointment will stick to you, it will choke you, it will hold you down. And before you know it, the only people that will be around you will be the people that are carrying your paralyzed life around. And you're trying to figure out, how am I getting around? It's because people of God love you and don't want you stuck where you've been. We don't want you stuck in that old you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to bless you coming in and bless you going out. But you've got to get disappointment out of your mind. And you've got to begin to expect God to do something good. I know what it's like. First hand, I don't know your situation personally, but I know what disappointment feels like. I know what disappointment feels like when, when, when man, you just think that's got to be God. And then boom, disappointment. The Bible says that they lowered him down and Jesus, he, he looked at the guy and he saw the faith of his friends. The faith of his friends. And Jesus says, oh man, your sins are forgiven. But I'm paralyzed. I know. But your sins are forgiven. I don't know how we got out of order. But step one is being forgiven. Step two is being restored. 
If you want restoration, you've got to recognize that you need to be forgiven. You can't keep blaming everybody who has paralyzed you as if they're the only one who has any fault in the situation. The fact that you have allowed it to happen year after year and time after time means you have something to be forgiven for as well. The Bible says that he forgives the sin and all the religious people around him, they go, this guy can't forgive sin. What the heck is going on here? And Jesus, he recognized what they were saying in their hearts. And he says, look, just so you guys understand that I have the power and the authority to forgive sin, I'm going to heal him too. And boom, he healed him. And he immediately told the guy, now, tick, now pick up the bed that, that represented everything that paralyzed you and carry it out of my meeting. In other words, when you have been forgiven, then you can be restored. And your responsibility is to carry your testimony with you so that you can help somebody else be set free too. God doesn't just deliver us for us. He does and would if it was just us. But the entire purpose behind your deliverance is so that you will pick up that testimony and carry it forward. One of the hardest phone calls I've made was to call and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to minister with you. I'm sorry, I, it sounds exciting. It sounds like almost everything I've ever wanted. But I'm not going to do it. It was a month later, Crystal and I were writing down our goals for the year, and we said, Lord, we really believe that you've called us. Where? And the Lord just dropped in our spirit and made it clear. He had been nudging us, but he just dropped in our spirit and made it clear. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I, I, I'm ready to do this. When can I do it? And, 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 and Crystal and I prayed, and we felt like the Lord said, right now. And I said, Lord, I need a building. And then one day I had a building. I said, Lord, I, I need somebody that can sing and play. And the best he could come up with was this. And I said, Lord, I, I, need, I, need, I need people to preach to. I want to help set people free. I want to be a part of what you're about. And the Lord said to me, he said, well, then preach and let me send people. And I, I remember thinking, it was this morning, I was really wrestling. I, I said, Lord, it probably would have still been cool if I had gone on those crusades and everything. But I wouldn't give this up for anything. He said, exceeding abundantly above more than you can ask or think. Delay is not denial and disappointment might mean detour, but it does not mean defeat in your life. If you will continue to press towards the mark, if you walk up and the room is full and the door is shut, bless God, find you some friends that love God, get on the roof and tear that thing off until you find your miracle yourself. And then when you do, when God forgives you, Lift your hand if you remember when he forgave you. Amen. See, I, I love it all. I, 
There is no prosperity gospel. The gospel is prosperity. There is no salvation gospel. The gospel is salvation. There is no healing gospel. The gospel is healing. But I don't ever want to get so caught up in all the wonderful stuff we get that we forget what it felt like when he said, I have forgiven you. I don't ever want to get to the place where we forget what it felt like when he set us free. I don't ever want to forget what it felt like when you find out that he will restore everything that's been stolen from you. Stand to your feet, please. We're going to worship in just a moment and pray. I really sense the presence of the Lord in a very strong way. But before we move on, if you would please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. Before we move forward in service, we want to extend that opportunity because without being right with Him, without being forgiven and justified by His sacrifice, nothing I've talked about matters. Nothing. But when you have been forgiven and justified, now you have access to all the promises of God. So if that's you today and you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe you used to walk strong with God but somehow you've fallen out of relationship with nobody looking around, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, oh God, remember me. And he really will. One, two, three, lift it up. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, thank you. 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 Is there anyone else? We'll wait just a moment. Is there anyone else? Say yes to Jesus today. All He wants is to forgive you and love you. We'll do our best to help you along the way. But it all starts with Him, not us. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say, Oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name. In your, book. in your book. I believe Jesus died, believe Jesus died. and rose from, rose from the dead for my victory. I'm completely forgiven. My sins are washed away and I will be restored in Jesus' name. My faith is stronger every day. My hope is higher every day. I'm expecting God to do something good in my life in Jesus' name, give God a big hand of praise. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.